happy Monday. You are listening to the Tar Devils Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network, where we talk Duke, UNC, ACC basketball. And welcome into episode 14 of the Tar Devils Podcast. My name is Tyler Rosari, the always objective Duke fan in this duo. Talk with my good friend John Bowman, the always biased UNC fan, of course. John, it's a damn shame we don't do this podcast on Wednesdays. I hate that we have to record on Sundays after what happened this last Saturday. How are you doing, John? What a freaking roller coaster of a week. On Thursday. <laughs> of a <the> season. <laughs> on Thursday morning, people were ready to burn the ships down. People were jumping off the bandwagon all the way. They were questioning everything about Carolina basketball. I'm referring to, of course, the fact that UNC scheduled an extra game against Marquette, and they looked horrible. They lost by 13 points to, Mar- to a Marquette team that's not very good. Um, John, you gave you gave you fell for the uh, announcer's jinx. I picked Cuse against Duke. Cuse and uh, Cuse lost. There we go. I didn't fall for it. You picked. We both picked UNC over Marquette, and UNC loses. Good job. Let's keep doing it. <laughs> But the story of the week was not done because just a few days later, this is, uh, other than uh, Iowa, this is the hardest game that UNC has on its schedule all season in terms of Ken Palm rankings. Uh, Florida State was the ninth-ranked team in Ken Palm uh, as of today, so they're, they're behind Iowa, who's number five. So it's a very tough team, and UNC already lost to them once this season, and yet they pull out an eight-point victory at home. The crowd's there. Uh, Walker Kessler, who we're going to talk about a lot today, played amazing. Uh, So just in the span of a few days, the fortune of the North Carolina team is flipped. Uh, On Thursday, people are talking about whether or not they blew their chances of making the NCAA tournament, and now a few days later, they're basically locks for the NCAA tournament. So what a week for Carolina. Yeah, a very weird week. Uh, we'll talk about UNC first. Are, is UNC back? We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about Duke. They had a good start to the week, did not finish strong, lost in overtime to Louisville. Is Duke dead in the water right now? We'll give our thoughts on that. And then talk about, as usual, the rest of the ACC and preview Duke-UNC coming up on Saturday. John, let's jump into uh, UNC real quick. Are you back? So that is a very complicated question to answer because I think that UNC basketball is such a strong brand and it's a strong program that the expectation for the North Carolina Tar Heels is always going to be number one seed in the NCAA tournament, competing for an ACC title. So is North Carolina back to that point? No, absolutely not. But we have to acknowledge the fact that last season was extremely rough for the Tar Heels. There was a huge, uh, you know, wilderness phase to this season as well. There were some rough losses, rough moments. And this is North Carolina's big signature win of the season. Um, Are they back? I don't know about that. But they looked like Carolina basketball teams of old yesterday, which was really exciting to see. Um, I don't know if UNC is back, 
they are definitely back to playing really good basketball. Tyler, what are your thoughts? Do you think UNC's back? Uh, real quick, John, before um, your win against FSU, funny how UNC got finally a good win with three games left in the season. Crazy how that happens. But before Saturday, did UNC deserve to be in the tournament, yes or no? Before Saturday? So before Saturday, UNC would have had a record of 14-8. and eight. So you're saying yep. let's theoretically say the season ends at that point? Yes, before FSU, because UNC was, was, I think, a 10 seed in the tournament, according to Lenardi. Yeah. Look at their resume. Do you think they should have been in the tournament? At that stage, their best win probably would have been on the road against Duke. Um, they also had that win against Louisville, but that was, of course, COVID depleted. We talked a yep. lot about that game last week. I still think the strength of their resume at that point um, would have allowed them to become one of the last four teams in, but it would have been really, really close after that loss. Um, so the reason I ask is because remember in the middle of the season when Duke wasn't even in the conversation for the tournament and your reasoning and everyone else's reasoning was, do they have a marquee win? Who have they played? And we weren't even in discussion. And I looked at UNC's after UNC lost to Marquette, and I was like, how the hell are they still a 10 seed when – you don't have any ranked wins. You were 0-3 against ranked opponents going into Saturday. I think you had one quad win at that point, now two. And the same arguments that make, kept Duke out of even discussion for the bubble could have been applied to UNC, and UNC was not even on the bubble. They were, they were a 10 seed at that point. So that, I just, you know, I'm confused about that. But, I, think the, I think the pushback there is UNC's win over Duke. That's why that first game was so important. Because that was the quality win. If the game is flipped, if UNC doesn't have that so quality win. You're saying a quality win against a Duke wasn't even – he's not, not even projecting the tournament. Why is that a quality win? Duke isn't a projected tournament team, but they're still ranked pretty highly. I don't know exactly – I don't have the net rankings in front of me, but they're still uh, a pretty quality win in terms of uh, the Ken Palm rankings. They're the 35th yeah. ranked team. I agree with Ken Palm. So for Ken Palm – UNC is 34 right now. Duke is 35, which is fair, I think. Um, but another interesting thing, now it's it's maybe your turn to get on the net rankings. You beat FSU, and do you, did you see what happened to your net ranking? It went, went up only 40, a few. You went from 43 to 42. Yeah. How the hell? What? A, you beat Louisville. You go up like what, like you 20 spots or 10 spots. You beat FSU, you go up one spot. I really don't understand the net rankings. I think they're stupid. Duke fell from 49 to 58 in that rankings after losing to Louisville. I, I just don't understand it. But is UNC back? Back to the original question. Uh, no, just because, one, they're not going to be competing for anything serious. But if we want to take that into this season, as in are they back to playing UNC basketball this season, I still say no because I think this week epitomizes – UNC's whole season. Why can they not figure it out? You, they look so good, and then they look so terrible the next game. And the FSU is all in one game. You had 14 turnovers in the first half. And FSU's defense is really tenacious, and they get out in all the passing lanes, so I get that. But you went from 13 turnovers in the first half, a 16-point deficit, and then you outscore FSU by 20 in the second half. Like, I just don't understand this team at all. And – you go against against Marquette, you see had 19 turnovers. 
shot 30% from three, 130%, 68% from the free throw line. That's pretty typical for UNC. 90% from the free throw line for UNC against FSU, which is probably the first time that's happened this season. 21% from three, typical. Shout out to Walker Kessler, man. He got it. said it last week. As soon as he got that fade, he's been a different player. He's been a different player. 20 points. Um, I thought Roy was going to blow this game because a few minutes left, I think under five, he took Walker Kessler out, and FSU started coming back. It was a two-point game. The announcer said, interesting, uh, Walker Kessler is out of the game. He's going with the veterans. He's Baycott and um, Garrison Brooks were in. But then he, he did, with three and a half minutes left, put Kessler back in and sealed the deal. I actually think that was a pretty good move by Roy. and probably saved it because FSU had a lot of momentum. I don't know why FSU was working through Gray so much. I, don't, I haven't seen that this season. But Gray had six turnovers, and he can't finish at the rim at all. I know he's a big body. I guess they're trying to exploit whatever matchup he had. But why you wouldn't work through MJ Walker and Copra Visa and um, your best player, Scotty Barnes, more? I don't know. I don't. They had a few injuries going into the game, but I just I didn't understand that. But FSU, that one game, typical of UNC season, so up and down. The whole week, typical of UNC season. Who knows? You could lose to Cuse and then lose to Duke ne- next week. And then what are we going to be saying at, at this next podcast is UNC, what do they have to do in the ACC tournament to make this, to make the NCAA tournament? Who knows? But uh, yeah, very weird week. One that I wish ended on Wednesday night, not not Saturday. I have a good Walker Kessler stat for you. Um, we were talking a little bit about Kessler at the top. He, of course, had uh, 20 points yesterday on uh, 9 of 10 from the field. So he had nine field goals on February 27th, yesterday. From December 1st until February 6th, so that's a span of around 10, 12 games, he had eight field goals. So that just puts into perspective the massive jump that Kessler has had here at the end of the season. He's also now gone four straight games where he scored at least 10 points, uh, five straight games where he scored at least nine points. I think that's part of the reason why there's so much optimism about Carolina uh, today after this win over FSU, because this really was the Walker-Kessler breakout game. And just like how I talked about with Anthony Harris at the midpoint, adding in Anthony Harris raised the ceiling of this Carolina basketball team. And that made me really excited because Harris brought something different. He brought a little bit more offense. He brought a little bit more defensive potential to this team that raised the ceiling. I think the same can be said for Kessler. He is so physically gifted with his size. Um, The fact that he has started to be able to put it together, starting to understand the offensive systems a little bit more, um, the fact that he's putting it all together at this stage of the season raises the ceiling of what North Carolina can be. That's a huge reason of optimism for the Tar Heels because you put let me, him- let me Let me say this, though, John. There is still a lot of concern, I think, for this team because there is still yet to be a game where everyone clicks. And Duke had that issue pretty early on, um, and now it seems that you know, all the – this this wasn't a good game against Louisville for most of the team, but before that game, there was a good streak of where five or six Duke players were all playing very well at the same time. And when Kessler goes up 
Ben plays well. We'll look at Dayron Sharp. He's sucked lately. He's been god awful. And then Caleb Love went 0 4 against Marquette. RJ Davis hasn't played well in seemingly months. Garrison Brooks had his first and only good game of the season against Marquette. What a wasted effort that was because the rest of the team was terrible. Baycott is bad now too. I just this team still gives I think a lot of a lot uh you know should give fans hesitation because you're winning, but look at how the rest of your team's playing. You need Walker Kessler to come out of nowhere and score 20, much like Grayson Allen did against Wisconsin in the championship game. You're dead in the water. You have a player come in to score, and, and, and it lifts you to a win. But going forward, you're going to need people to click at the same time. Kessler can't play well because every other big is playing awful. They all have to play well at the same time. And if not – one, I think you'll have problem against Duke this next week, but also ACC tournament, NCAA tournament, or NIT still maybe. We'll see. Um, you're not going to go very far if, if you can't get that figured out. Yeah, and you also uh, raised a good point earlier, I think, that I wanted to build on as well, the free throws. I think that is such a part of yesterday's win over Florida State. Uh, on the season, North Carolina is shooting – 66.5% on free throws. That's just really bad, really uh, not what you need out of a team that wants to attack uh, other teams' bigs, uh, attack the post, try to draw a lot of free throws. But yesterday against Florida State, uh, they, they shot the ball a lot better from the free throw line. Um, the final mark from, from UNC, 27 of 30 on free throws yesterday. Um, I think that is something that could potentially be sustainable. Maybe they've turned the corner a little bit. All those shooting drills after after practice have paid off. Um, the last thing uh, I want to make, the last point I want to make around around this game yesterday too, I don't think we should underestimate the impact of the crowd on the game. Uh, Florida State versus North Carolina was the first time that UNC has had fans in the Dean Dome. There are around 3,000 fans there. We've talked a lot about this season, Tyler, about the impact of COVID and crowds on games. We talked to Davis at the Maui Invitational, what it was like to watch uh, UNC without any fans or to watch college basketball without any fans there. But we finally had some sort of fan environment, and I think that gave UNC a lift, especially after a terrible first half. That's something to monitor as we start to talk about UNC Duke Part 2. That, that definitely helped, and it's just so optimal timing that <laughs> right the day before you play FSU, you can allow Governor Cooper allows fans in the building, and now before you play Duke, allows fans in the building. Yeah, I'm very happy for UNC. It sounds like conspiracy Tyler is coming out. Did you know uh, Roy Cooper is a UNC fan? Maybe Roy can, Cooper, uh, Roy Williams, you know. <laughs> Maybe we can put some put some <laughs> of the pieces together here and, and figure this figure this out. But I think that will impact UNC Duke Part Two. Um, definitely something to keep an eye yeah. on. Speaking of Duke, let's jump into segment number two to talk about the Blue Devils. So Duke this week played two games on Monday, February 22nd. They played Syracuse at home. That was a 14-point win for the Blue Devils. They followed that up uh, Saturday. Uh, they played Louisville. Of course, Tyler, 
uh, just the way it happened to work out. UNC got Louisville right after their COVID pause. Louisville has worked themselves back into shape. They were able to beat the Duke Blue Devils in overtime by seven points. Duke Howe now has a record of 11-9. They're 9-7 in the ACC. Tyler, what's your take on Duke's week? Yeah, so I'll touch in a minute if Duke's dead in the water, but I just want to go over these these couple of games. Against Syracuse, one I was admittedly worried about just because Duke was on a high coming into the game, and it was a quick turnaround on Saturday's Monday game, which the last time Duke did that was against Miami, and they laid, a, laid an egg in that game. So they played Syracuse and killed them, which thank God I was wrong about that. They, Duke was shooting the shit out of the ball in the first half, like crazy numbers in like the 60 or 70% from three. Syracuse had to extend their zone. It looked like to a 4-1. They had four people at the top. At the top of the key elbow extended and one person in the paint just to keep us from shooting. So some of the experts um, tweeting that they've never – or some of the experts that college call, follow college basketball – that they've never, ever seen Syracuse have to extend a zone like that to stop shooting. I questioned if they were going to have to go to man because everything Duke looked at, it was going in. And they were getting wide open looks. It was very fun to watch. Um, ended up shooting. They didn't shoot that well in the second half, though. So they shot 45% from three for the game. It was pretty good. Um, the biggest thing in that game is they got contributions from everyone. Jeremy Roach with 14. DJ Stewart 21. Mark Williams with the best game of the season, 18 points, 11 rebounds, a couple blocks to throw in there. Matthew Hurt played pretty well, 15 points. Wendell Moore chimed in with seven. A very balanced team, which I alluded to earlier, and they had a big streak of having balanced balanced scoring. Then they played Louisville, won a game that really would have helped Duke tournament chances to win. I think if they won this game, they essentially would have been in, even if they had close games coming down the stretch. Shout out to Matthew Hurt, man. I have an up and down relationship with this guy, but 37 points on 15 to 21 shooting against Louisville. I thought he had a chance to go for 40, but Duke didn't really look for him late, or they couldn't get the ball to him late. And for Louisville, man, I got to throw this loss on Coach K. There's no reason Mark Williams shouldn't have been playing at the end of that game. He Louisville had two or three offensive rebounds in the game. One literally. With 10 seconds left for the free throw, because we have Matthew Hurt in and Wendell Moore playing the four with Hurt at the five. Of course, we're not Louisville's big as hell, and they were killing us on the glass. They had seven offensive rebounds, hard zero in the first half. And Mark Williams spent most of the time on the bench in favor of Jamin Brakefield. And I know a lot of Duke fans love Jamin, but when he's not playing well offensively, which last night he only had three points. He is such a negative on the floor because he gets absolutely lost on defense. And against UVA, like when he was guarding Jay Huff, Jay Huff was killing him every time he touched the ball. And it was kind of embarrassing how, how lost Jamin was. And then it, 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 that kind of it, it, uh, lose, losing my words here, but that inability to defend – against Louisville, reared its head again for Jamin. And every time he was on the floor, Duke was just getting killed. And so Mark Williams down the stretch would have been big because there's 13 seconds left. Duke has two timeouts. Cardell Jones at the line of shooter free throw. We have Matt Hurt to, to rebound for us. 
They poke the ball away, get offensive rebound. Even if you sub Mark Williams in just to get the rebound, you have two timeouts. You're taking one anyway to draw up a last play, which Coach K always does. I just don't understand why Williams was in the game. I really think that's why Duke lost that game. Now, thinking about the tournament, Duke actually is still in the first four out. They only dropped one spot, according to Lenardi. If they won, they would have been the first four or last four in, I think. Um, but they're still the first four out. They dropped from 49 to 58 in net rankings. I, I hope they don't go by these rankings because they suck. 35 in Kempom. I think they were at 29th or something like that before. Um, Lenardi said that before the game, Duke has essentially four games guaranteed. That Louisville game at Georgia Tech, at UNC, and then one guaranteed for the ACC game. He said that if Duke wins any three of those four, then they're, in, they're locked to make the tournament. So, I mean, they still have to win a couple here. I think if they could still go one and two in the regular season, and then if you win two or three games in the ACC tournament, you'll be all good. And I think Duke will make it. Um, something to also note is fans will be back for the ACC tournament, which is big, because Duke fans are going to come out to support the team, which they haven't been able to all season. Before the season, Coach K said that Duke wouldn't, Duke fans wouldn't be allowed regardless of when the fans were coming back. So I expect Duke to have a push in the ACC tournament with fans, and I think that'll help them as well. So I think Duke probably splits Georgia Tech and UNC, wins one of the games, but I think Duke makes a run in the ACC tournament. And if you look at these standings, Florida State on top, UVA, Virginia Tech, Louisville, and then UNC. What team is, is blowing blowing out every other team out in the ACC tournament? I think it's wide open. So Duke could lose both these games and still very easily win the tournament and make, and make it. So I still have hope. I'm going to have hope to the very end because the ACC tournament's wide open. John, what do you think? Tyler, I, I hear the pain in your voice as you're talking about All right. this Duke team. Here's what's All interesting. Right. Tyler, for literally – as long as you and I have been alive, so 96, 97 is when we were born, Duke has never had a season like this. Previous to this year, the highest that Duke has been ranked in the, uh, or the lowest that Duke has been ranked in the Ken Palm rankings is 19th. That was in 2012. Every other year, they've been one of the best teams in the country consistently uh, up there in the in the Ken Palm rankings, and they had some very strong years as well where the Ken Palm rankings were put out. So this is quite literally new territory. Never in your life have you had a Duke team on the bubble like this. Thankfully, you're, you're used to this, right, John? A couple, <laughs> 2010, last year, this is nothing to you. We've, we've had a couple of these years, but it's it speaks to the, the Duke program, to Coach K. It's been a long time since they've had a year like this where – it's been uh, a bubble watch type season. Uh, I think Duke is a team that's going to benefit a lot from the ACC tournament setting. Um, just the fact that they'll get to uh, compete. The, we've talked a lot about this season about how Duke go on little hot streaks and sort of build on games one after the other. I think they're a team that could go on a little run in the ACC tournament because they do have a ton of talent. Um, I think that they have as much talent maybe as any other team in the ACC. They just haven't been able to put it all together quite yet this season. Um, one specific thing, too, that I wanted to call out, the Louisville game. There were some key moments uh, late in the game 
when Mark Williams, uh, arguably one of Duke's better rebounders, if not their best rebounder, was not on the floor. And I think that's on Coach K. You've got to find a way to get Mark Williams. He's seven feet tall. He can get some key rebounds down the stretch. So I think that's one thing. Not only the rebounding, but the zero rim protection, because Carly Jones was getting to the rim every time, and we had no rim protector, which in the beginning of the game, Williams was just swatting everything against the backboard. So not even just the rebounds, which is a big component, but the zero rim protection when Louisville was getting to the bucket was hurting us too. Absolutely. And I think I think that's on Coach K. You've got to find a way to get that defense and rebounding on the floor during key moments. Um, I think that's been a, a, a theme of this season as well for Duke. This is maybe not Coach K's best coaching job ever, um, to put it ni- nicely. I think for Coach K, I mean, it's not his best job game to game because I think he's lost a lot of the games with the lineups he's had in. Joey Baker specifically playing a late game has, has screwed us a couple of times. But I think this team has developed very well, and it's one that if there was a full season – this team would be right in the middle of probably looking at being ranked because they've played very well together for this last month or so. They had a bad game, but it was a, I thought it was a good month. Um, and I just want to say this this uh, last thing. What is it that Cole Anthony said? Where the uh, No one wants to see us right now. We're playing like a top 10 team. So, you know, I'm going to still take that mindset going into this last week. <laughs> Is that something Cole Anthony said last season? Last season when UNC have won like two games and all the UNC fans said, we're winning the tournament, we're getting into the, t- we're winning the ACC tournament, we're going to get a bid. And then you guys got smoked by 30 to Syracuse. Uh, I think that I think that game was canceled because of uh, coronavirus. I'm not sure the game you're referring <laughs> to ever happened. Uh, just like the whole ACC tournament, NCAA tournament last year was canceled. So UNC, you know, they might have made it. Who knows what yeah. happened? They, there yeah. was no tournament, so no. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to fall on my sword for that one. Um, <laughs> UNC definitely would not have made the tournament last year, but here we are a year later. The same thing could happen to Duke, depending on how the last week of the season goes. We're gonna talk about that in segment three. Preview uh, the final week. It's crazy to say that, but it's true. The final week of ACC regular season play. We're going to talk a little bit about ACC tournament brackings, bracket, seeding, all of that in our third segment of the day. Another good week of basketball in the ACC. We already talked about Duke beating Syracuse 80 to, 85 to 71 and then losing in overtime to Louisville um, 80 to 73. UNC, shout out to Coach, Coach Wojo at Marquette. They beat UNC 83 to 70. Funny, this is Wojo's first ever win against UNC. Who thought it would come when he was a coach, not a player? Uh, but then uh, U- UNC bounced back and beat Florida State 78-70, much to my dismay. But other big games, ACC, Georgia Tech 69, they beat Virginia Tech, who had 53, a game I think I called last week unofficially in our last segment. I think Georgia Tech was going to win that game. Then somehow NC State beats UVA 68-61, to which I hated to see because it discredits Duke, Duke's win against UVA just prior. UVA was on a three-game slide, so I didn't see that coming late season, but, you know, they, they got it together. Um, and then Boston College 
beat Notre Dame 94 to 90. I didn't even know Boston College was still playing. They fired their coach midseason. They were out because of COVID. I hadn't seen a game that they played in weeks, and they beat Notre Dame, who was streaking. Notre Dame had been playing very well. They were on the bubble just a week ago in uh, Boston College with the win. So shout out to Boston College. Um, next week, a big week for basketball and the end of the ACC. Real quick, I just want to talk about the standings. We have Florida State in first at 10-3, and three, um, Virginia in second at 11-4, and four, Virginia Tech at 9-4 and third. Those are the only ranked teams. Right now, FSU sits at 11, Virginia sits at 15, Virginia Tech is at 16. Then Louisville, Clemson, UNC all tied. Um, and then Georgia Tech, one game ahead of Duke and Syracuse. So that's kind of the upper half of the ACC. Duke's loss to Louisville was big because Duke lost out on that chance for a double bye, which if they had won against Louisville and beat Georgia Tech and UNC, Duke would have been the four seed going into the ACC tournament. And wouldn't that have been something for the four seed to be on the bubble when all the other teams under Duke were quote unquote locks, right? And the NCAA does a stupid scrubbing system. If you remember back in, uh, it was Jason Tatum's year, I believe it was like 2017 or so, when UNC was a one seed. And if you look at the overall record, Duke had one more loss in UNC beat UNC head-to-head twice. UNC didn't have any wins against Duke that year head-to-head. And I remember people were saying, who are the four one seeds? And UNC was coming up. And I said, why the hell is Duke not a one seed? And Duke got a three seed that year. And it's because the NCAA set uses this, whatever scrubbing system it is, and how they have all these teams in certain categories towards the middle of the season. And then you inch your way up from those categories. And and they don't look at just overall resume. So I, I don't know why they do that. I think it's very dumb. And it, they would have had to reevaluate that if Duke had gotten a double bye because Duke would have been on the bubble, whereas all the other teams under them would have been in. I think it would have been very weird. But luckily for them, Duke loses. So they don't have to worry about that. Next week in the ACC, Duke-Georgia Tech, that's a big game on Tuesday. UNC also plays Syracuse. Uh, Louisville and Virginia Tech, a big matchup. And then what we're waiting for is Duke-UNC, 6 p.m. in the Dean Dome with fans on ESPN and also Louisville-UVA. John, what game are you looking forward to the most? Yeah, there's only one game on that list you just rattled off that matters the most, and that's UNC-Duke Part 2. The number one matchup that I'm looking at in that game is the point guard matchup. Uh, Caleb Love, he went off. Uh, against Duke the first time, and then he he brought brought some heat to social media. The thing and that's he's been awful since. Yeah, that's the thing. He's, he's been, been terrible, struggling since he shot. Uh, he scored twenty five points against Duke the first time, and he went four or five from the three point line. Since then, since that game and UNC's next five games, he's only made one three pointer. So either he's gonna Probably made Joe, one point since that game too. Yeah, he's he's been in single digits every game except for uh, he scored 12 points against Florida State yesterday. So he just hasn't been as good at all. Uh, every or five UNC's last five games um, since the Duke game, he's also had an offensive rating of under 100. So that shows he's been struggling offensively as well. I think it's gonna be really fascinating to see 
what this part two matchup is at point guard. I think that Duke got the message. They talked a lot about what they thought was going on. Um, and, and they said, hey, we saw this Caleb Love guy. He was posting stuff on social media. So I'm sure they've got some bulletin board yep. material for this game. Uh, so that's my most interesting matchup to watch in uh, UNC Duke Part 2. Tyler, what about you? What are your thoughts on UNC Duke? And then let's go ahead and pick that, the game we want to pick this week. Yeah, um, I hope that Jordan Goldwire is on Caleb Love. Goldwire has developed into one of the best defenders I've ever seen at Duke. And I've really at times questioned if he's a better defender than Trey Jones. I think off ball, he's a better defender because he's bigger. He's got quicker hands. I, his hands are really quick. And that's why he steals so many. I think he steals like two, 2.6 steals a game or something like that. And it's because he's got very quick hands and great anticipations. I think off ball, he's a better defender than Trey, but on ball, maybe not quite as good, although he's very good. Um, I hope he guards Caleb Love because I, I want to see Caleb Love go for zero after what he posts. And I think that's going to be a hot topic of discussion in that locker room during that game. But he know, Caleb Love knows it too, so he's going to come out firing. But also, R.J. Davis is a lot smaller, and Roach is smaller too. So I would rather see Roach on R.J. Davis and not Caleb Love. Um, it's hard to pick these games because they're just so unpredictable. But Going into this this season, I thought this was a year that Duke and UNC would split. So I'm not taking if, – if Duke won the first game, I'd pick UNC this game. It just so happened UNC won the first game, so I'm going to pick Duke this game. Um, a lot of reasoning goes out the window when we have this rivalry, you know. So if I had to see – I think Matt Hurt had a terrible game in the game one. He's on some unprecedented stretch right now shooting the ball. I think that's going to help. Mark Williams is going to get more minutes this game. Um, and I, I just think Duke's going to pull it out. And I think UNC's free throws are going to be bad again, going to rear his head. So, you know, you don't need much reasoning. You kind of go into the season saying there's no way a team's going to sweep Duke or UNC. Or, there's no way Duke or UNC is going to sweep this year because one team's not much better than the other. So I'm just going to go with Duke and say they split this season. I am going to go with the Tar Heels in this game. Uh, not surprising that we've picked our, our teams here. Mm -hmm. But here's, here's why I'm picking the Tar Heels. For me, it comes down to two major things. Number one, I think that UNC having the home court advantage in this game will matter. Uh, it was a non-factor or a slight factor uh, earlier this year in Durham, Duke had a home court advantage with no uh, fans. And we've seen that home court advantage can matter a little bit this season because, you know, it's a big hassle for teams to travel. Uh, so there's been other times where home court advantage has mattered uh, for teams this season in the ACC with those COVID protocols making traveling much tougher. But... The travel didn't help uh, Duke and UNC, obviously, in game one. The teams are so close together. Here we are in round two of UNC Duke. We are going to have some amount of fans. Uh, I think those fans made an impact, as we talked about already, in the UNC versus FSU game. I think the same thing will happen in the UNC Duke game. Uh, UNC, at times this season, has needed a little bit of an extra push. They've 
sort of played without that passion. And I think they got that spark from the fan base. I think they'll get it again on Saturday. So that's the first reason I think they're going to beat Duke is because of that home court advantage. I think the second reason is I think that UNC still maintains a superiority uh, down uh, in, in the low post area. UNC's strategy is to attack another team's bigs, get them into foul trouble. It worked in the first game with Matthew Hurt. Um, I think that UNC may not be able to replicate that same approach in terms of specifically getting Matthew Hurt on the bench. I think Hurt, like you said, has been playing extremely well. He could have a big game. But I still think that UNC has a low post advantage, especially with the emergence of Walker Kessler as of late. So for the home court advantage... For the UNC big man advantage, I'm going to go ahead and pick the Tar Heels, but I think it's going to be an awesome game. I am really looking forward to it. Uh, I Tyler, think I, should we? One last thing. I think uh, this is a game to look out for Henry Coleman because if you're talking about foul trouble and we need to give Mark Williams a break, Henry Coleman is not going to do much offensively, and he's shorter at only 6'8", but he is a tank down low, and he, he busts his ass on defense and can stick with some of the mo- more mobile bigs that UNC has, I'd rather see him in there than Jamin Brakefield. And I, ho- I hope uh, Coleman gets some minutes. I think he'll he'll play very well. Absolutely. No matter what happens in that game, we'll be there to talk about it live uh, after the game on the Locker Room app. We'll do a big podcast about it next week. We'll also preview the ACC tournament next week. It's amazing to think. Um, how that's all happening so quickly. We'll have a preview podcast for the ACC tournament, and then it'll be on to the NCAA tournament, which will be really exciting to talk about. Tyler, thanks for joining me today. Why don't you remind people where they can find us, how they can rate us and review us uh, today? Yeah, yep. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Tar Devils Podcast. You can listen and subscribe weekly on Spotify at Tar Devils Pod, also on Apple Podcasts um, as well. And, yes, we'll be on Locker Room app right after the Duke-UNC game. It probably ends around 8 p.m. You may come on 8.15 or so. Um, please, please, please join us, and you can request a talk. Um, get, get in the chat board, and, and we'd love to interact with you all. So see you then, probably around 8 p.m. on Saturday.